कृष्ण पृष्ठाय भूतले श्रीमते भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी नीति नामिने नमस्ते सरस्वती देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिने निर्विशेष शून्यवादी पाश्चात्ता देशतारिने शील प्रभुपाद की जय गौर प्रेमानंदे हरि हरि बोल ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय 
So we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, 3rd Canto, Chapter 5, Text 2. Vidura Ubacha Sukhaya Karmani Karoti Loka Natoi Sukham Bannad Uparamangva Bindeta Bhuyas Tato Eva Dukham Jadatra Yuktam Bhagavan Bedanya Bhagavan Bedanya. So <coughs> we don't have the verse written on board, so we'll just read it through. Mm. I'll read the recite the verse again again. Vidura Ubacha Sukhayo Karmani Karoti Loka Natoi Sukham Banad Uparamangva Bindeta Bhuyas Tata Eva Dukham Jadatra Juktam Bhagavan Badena Vidura Ubacha Vidura said Sukhaya for attaining happiness Karmani, fruitive activities, karoti, everyone does so. Lokaha, in this world, na, never, toi, by those activities, sukham, any happiness, ba, or, anat, differently, uparamam, satisfaction, va, either, vindeta, achieves, bhuya, on the contrary, tataha, by such activities, eva, certainly, dukham, miseries, jat, that which, atra, under the circumstance, under the circumstances, juktam, right course, bhagavan, <coughs> O great one, badet, may kindly enlighten, na, us. <coughs> Vidura said, O great sage, everyone in this world engages in fruitive activity to attain happiness. But one finds neither satiation nor the mitigation of distress. On the contrary, one is only aggravated by such activities. Please therefore give us directions on how one should live for real happiness. Yeah, so how many of you have iPhones and iPads? Very good. Now we don't have books, but we have Veda base and we have pocket Vedas. <laughs> so this, <coughs> I'm today I'm reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, third canto, chapter five. This chapter is actually describing that Vidura, after meeting Uddhava, got to know. Vidura left home. Probably you remember when Durjodhan insulted Vidura just before the battle of Kurukshetra. When Krishna came to make peace between the Pandavas and Kauravas, Durjadhan was adamant to, to, to fight. Durjadhan did not listen to Krishna's good advices. Even the proposal that Krishna gave that Pandavas will be happy, just give them five villages. They don't want half the kingdom. Just give them five villages. 
and avoid the war. They are prepared to just accept five villages. And <clears throat> but Durjadhan's response was, without a battle, I'm not giving the size of land, the size of the tip of a needle. So, <clears throat> is there some tissues? <clears throat> so Vidura's, uh, so at that time, Vidura was very, very heavy. And Vidura told Dhritarashtra to, to get rid of Dur Durjyotan. Vidura told, just give them, give it to them, just keep it here. <clears throat> to get rid of Durjyotan. Vidura had been telling that to Dhritarashtra from the time of Durjyotan's birth. When Vidura saw the symptoms, the ominous hmm, symptoms that manifested right after Durjyotan's birth, he knew that this boy is going to be the cause of the destruction of the whole dynasty, whole family. And he asked Dhritarashtra to get rid of this child. And, and it is a common sense. There is a saying in the Vedas, or there is an instruction in the Vedas, that for the sake of uh, protecting, for the sake of the village, one, for the sake of men, saving the family, one can get rid of a member of the family. For the sake of saving the village, one can get rid of a family. For the sake of saving a country, one can get rid of a village. And for the sake of saving oneself, one should be prepared to give up everything. <laughs> so, Vidura advised Dhritarashtra. Uh, Vidura was not only Dhritarashtra's younger brother, but Vidura was Dhritarashtra's minister. He was his constant companion. They were very attached to each other. Therefore, Vidura was very uh, frank in his opinion to Dhritarashtra, and he told him, get rid of this child, because he is going to be the cause of the destruction of the family. So for the sake of saving the family, you get rid of this child. <clears throat> but Dhritarashtra was so attached to his son that he didn't listen to Vidura's advice. And time and time again, when Durjodhan would act in an inappropriate way, Vidura would tell Dhritarashtra to get rid of the son. So this time also, when Duryodhan behaved like that when Krishna himself came to make a proposal. Then he started to tell Dhritarashtra, get rid of him, banish him. Because you are seeing time and time again, you know, how evil the son of your is. Get rid of him, banish him. You are the king, you have the right to banish him from the kingdom. But at that time, Durjodhan behaved like a serpent that has been hurt. What does a serpent do? What does a snake do when the snake gets Shh! He saves his, shows his fang. And he started to 
insult Vidura, calling him all kinds of things, calling him the son of a maidservant who has been maintained by the family, by them, and uh, and now he is turning against the ones, those who are feeding him, giving him the food to eat. And <clears throat> anyway, so at that time Vidura left home and he started to travel through the places of pilgrimage. And uh, he, it has been described, Vidura did not have anything, no place to sleep, just sleeping under a tree, no possessions, nothing, just accepting whatever food comes on his way. And, and in this way Vidura was just traveling like a wandering mendicant, and no one could recognize Vidura. And then uh, he came across, had came across uh, Uddhava. And when he met Uddhava, Uddhava also left home. In the meantime, not only the battle of Kurukshetra was over, not only Dhritarashtra became the king of the earth planet, uh, but Krishna already left this planet. And before leaving the planet, Krishna advised uh, Krishna advised Uddhava. That is the Uddhava Gita, which has been described in the 11th canto of Sriman Bhagavatam. And on the generally, that is the seminar I am giving, but because here there is the installation of the deities, so Pradumna requested me to speak on the topics that would lead to the deities of Krishna Balaram. So I said, fine. But now, generally now I am giving the seminar on Uddhav Gita. And yeah, <clears throat> so this, uh, actually I'll be giving this seminar on Uddhav Gita for five days in Ujjain from 26th till 1st, 26th December to 1st January. Uh, <clears throat> and I already gave the seminar on Uddhav Gita, uh, I gave it in America. Europe part I am not giving, but Australia, when I go there, I'll also give a seminar on Uddhav Gita. And then in Ujjain. So Ujjain one will be the final one for five days. Other Uddhav Gitas I gave in uh, America, in, I gave it in Gita Nagari. That was only for four days, I think. Not even four days, three days. And so it's Uddhav Gita is actually a beautiful narration of Krishna's instructions. You see, like, and let's put it this way, Prabhupada said Bhagavad Gita is the preliminary study, high school study, high school course. And what is uh, the next stage, next stage of studies? Graduation courses, Srimad Bhagavatam. Now, Srimad Bhagavatam uh, has been described up till 
Krishna's activities up till 10th canto. And then in 11th canto there is Uddhav Gita. What does it mean? Uddhav Gita is the essence of Srimad Bhagavatam. So anyway, it is very, very wonderful instructions that Krishna gave to Uddhav before leaving the planet. And then uh, <clears throat> after that, Uddhav was instructed by Krishna to go to Badrikashram, Badrinath. And so on the way, uh, when he was going to Badrinath, Badrikashram, he met Vidura. So he, they had, and Vidura did not have any information like what actually happened and he told what happened. The battle was, the Kauravas were, the entire family was destroyed. All hundred sons of Dhritarashtra were killed by Bhima alone. Bhima single hand, just he alone killed. He took a vow to kill all of them. So nobody would kill them. Arjun or others would not kill the other son, the sons of uh, Dhritarashtra. Bhima, one after another, killed all hundred sons. That's the, how powerful the Kshatriyas were. And that's how they would stick to their vow. Whatever they would vow, they would fulfill that vow. So, <clears throat> the, all the hundred sons of Dhritarashtra had been killed. All the rulers of this planet practically were killed. Yudhishthira Maharaj has been reinstated in the kingdom of the earth planet. And uh, then, you know, Yudhishthira Maharaj ruled for so many years. Mm. I, if I'm not mistaken, he ruled for 36 years. Mm. And then after that, uh, Krishna left this planet. And when Krishna left the planet, then Yudhishthira Maharaj decided to leave. And <clears throat> so the, all these news he received from Uddhava. And then Uddhava instructed him that Krishna told him that Vidura should meet Maitre Rishi and take instructions from him. So here Vidura actually uh, meets uh, Sukadeva I'm sorry, Maitre Rishi. And Sukadeva Goswami is saying, Vidura, the best among the Kuru dynasty, who has perfected devotional service to the Lord, thus reached the source of the celestial Ganges River, where Varidwar, where Maitreya, the great fathomless learned sage of the world, was seated. Vidura, who was perfect in gentleness and satisfied in transcendence, inquired from him. No, actually, I... Yeah. Changed into another chapter. Okay, let me see. <clears throat> and so this was the, uh, this was the, the first thing. Vidura came to Maitreya Rishi. Where Maitreya Rishi was, he was in Haridwar. And there he, now this is ask. Vidura is asking a question. Uh, Sukhaya vidura uvacha, sukhayo karmani karoti loka, natoi sukham bannad uparamangba, 
बिंदते भूयस्तत एव दुखम जदत्र युक्तम जद अत्र युक्तम भगवान बदेन्ना Bidura said, O oh great sage, everyone in this world engages in fruitive activities to attain happiness. Hmm. Isn't it? Huh? Just uh, everyone in this world engages in fruitive activities uh, to attain happiness. But one finds neither satiation nor the mitigation of distress. Through his endeavor for happiness, does one become satisfied? Huh? Have you become satisfied, Narendra Krishna? <laughs> Lagatmika is already shaking her head. <laughs> and <clears throat> what about you, Shivam? <laughs> yeah, that's wise. <laughs> and Shripati? <laughs> no? What's happening? <laughs> it's a world of unhappiness. <laughs> world of unhappy people, discontented, dissatisfied individuals. <laughs> what about you, Radha Vinod? I'm happy I found you. <laughs> <laughs> On the contrary, one is only aggravated by such activities. Instead of becoming satisfied, and content and mitigation of distress, what actually happens? One, it becomes simply uh, only aggravated by such activities. His difficult situation simply increases. You try to enjoy the material nature, what do you get? You only get distress. Mm-hmm. Please therefore give us directions on how one should live for real happiness. Happiness is possible, but we have to find the way. Just as our wise man, uh, Radha Vinod, mentioned. <laughs> he found happiness, yes. Uh, that is the real source of happiness. To find the proper understanding of our existence the real purpose of our existence. <clears throat> so, Prabhupada is saying in the purport, Vidura asked Maitreya some common questions, which was not originally his intention. Vidura already knew that, you know, he was not interested in this business. This is all, you know, he already left this behind, we can see. He left the materialistic world. He was not making any endeavor for uh, material enjoyment through through fruitive activities. Uh, he was already he already left the palace. He is already tra- traveling to the place to all the places of pilgrimage for so many years. Almost forty years he had been traveling. Why is he asking this question? Let's go back to that question. Everyone in this world engages in fruitive activities to attain happiness, but one finds neither satiation nor the mitigation of distress. On the the contrary, 
one is only aggravated by such activities. Please therefore give us direction on how one should live for real happiness. As if he didn't know. Hmm. Right? But Prabhupada is saying, why Vidura asked this question? Vidura asked this question for the benefit of common people. Those who are suffering. If you jump straight into Krishna's pastimes, uh, then most of the people wouldn't have would, would have missed it, missed it out. Most of the people don't understand, you know, what is the goal of life. Why should one take to Krishna consciousness? <clears throat> so Prabhupada, Prabhupada is making that point. That's why Prabhupada's purports are so important. Because Prabhupada's purport gives us such deep understanding of every single verse of Srimad Bhagavatam. Why Vidura is asking this question? Vidura asked Maitre some common questions which was not originally his intention. Uddhava asked Vidura to approach Maitre Muni and inquire into all the truths concerning the Lord, his name, fame, quality, form, pastimes, entourage, etc. And thus, when Vidura approached Maitreya, he should have asked only about the Lord. But out of natural humility, he did not immediately ask about the Lord, but inquired into a subject which would be of great importance to the common man. A common man cannot understand the Lord. He must first know the real position of his life under the influence of the illusory energy. In illusion one thinks that he can be happy only by fruitive activities. But what actually happens is that one becomes more and more entangled in the network of action and reaction and does not find any solution to the problem of life. There is a nice song in this connection. Quote, because of a great desire to have all happiness in life, I built this house, but unfortunately the whole scheme has turned to ashes because the house was unexpectedly set on fire. It was a poetry, I think, by Chandidas, one devotee of Krishna. Shukhero lagiya eghoro bathino onole puriya jaigo. Sukhero lagia means for the sake of suk, happiness. Sukhero lagia eghoro badhino, I built this house. But onole puriya jai. Onol means, onol means fire. Puriya means burnt. I built this house for the sake of happiness, but now it's burning in fire. Isn't that... Huh? Our situation is material nature. We build a house thinking that we'll get happiness, especially nowadays. It is becoming so obvious. <coughs> like, uh, I mean, you see, like for example, just yes, we don't have to go very far at the example that I wanted to give. Have, how many of you have been to the uh, Medolago Temple, the Milan. You have been there. You have been there. You haven't been there, yeah. It's a beautiful house. Beautiful. Must have been about 25 acres of land. 
beautiful. And they bought it practically at a throwaway price. You know why? Because the husband and wife got divorced and now the property has to be divided between them. So now it's an auction. <laughs> For the sake of happiness, you know, when they got married, they built the house, they thought they would happily live ever after. <laughs> but now, the house is burning in fire. <laughs> so that is, at least in the Vedic time or in the Vedic culture, there was some system where they could all live together relatively happily, big family. You see, when you live in a big family, then there is no question of divorce. They can't think of divorce because it's not just a one person's relationship with the other. It's, you know, a one person's relationship with the entire family. And there is no question of, you know, like I remember when I was young, uh, there was no, I mean, yeah, we heard about divorce. You know how I heard? Because in our neighborhood, there was one woman who was a divorcee. And she became the talk of the town. <laughs> oh, she's divorced. And she was, she, that family was a very wealthy family and she was very, you know, progressive-minded woman. Very pretty-looking woman, I remember. We used to call her Didi, you know, like the eldest sister. And she got married and, you know, because she was from very wealthy family, she just couldn't adjust with the husband and she came back home. And, you know, that's the first time I heard the word divorce. And it was such an unusual thing because, you know, like, you know, like everybody was kind of, oh, she got divorced, you know, like... And <clears throat> so, you know, that's, how, and she was, anyway, in, the, I mean, what I'm talking about, about, what, 50, 55 years back, that was, you know, divorce was, and today, uh, you know, first of all, 75% people don't get married. <laughs> and out of 25% people that get married, you know, they, uh, uh, they, about six, there was there is about seventy five percent divorce. <laughs> like, you know, it's so. Uh, the, this shows that how the society is becoming degraded, and it's all because you know they are. They don't have any inclination towards spiritual life. Now, another unfortunate thing, in ISKCON also there is divorce. Like, in spite of knowing all that, what does it indicate, you know? That indicates that the society has become so degraded that even to maintain Vedic principle has become difficult. It is not that those who get divorced, you can blame them, you know? Like, in some cases, why it get divorced? I'm talking about in congregation members from the Hindu background, because, you know, husband doesn't take to Krishna consciousness and the wife finds it difficult or the husband takes to Krishna consciousness the wife doesn't like it she just runs away <laughs> you know goes away 
and and another reason in Iskon there is many devotees because you know many devotees are coming from the Western background in that culture you know in that there is no such restriction so you know like because they have left that strict rules of the Iskon structure or they're on their own in a way they're acting independently they're you know but when proper Krishna consciousness is established then there won't be any divorce there won't be any consideration for divorce because after all you know okay uh, uh, our goal is not to be happy in this world so if I am not happy in this world why try to make some other arrangement to become happy you know, often they get divorced to get married to somebody else. So, why should we endeavor for happiness in this world? Just let us accept whatever the situation is. And accept everything that, oh, this Krishna's arrangement to become more Krishna conscious. If the wife is not really very Krishna conscious, or the husband is not Krishna conscious, then the other party, other person should think that, well, it's Krishna's arrangement, huh? like it's making me happy. <coughs> like that reminds me, Socrates' wife, Xanthopi, uh, she was, uh, was the expression, uh, you know, very quarrelsome woman, was the expression, shrew, is that the expression, English expression? A quarrelsome woman. She used to always nag him, quarrel, fight with him. <laughs> so somebody said something about that to Socrates. Socrates, that she makes her life so miserable. Or something to that effect. Socrates', Socrates' reply was, no, no, she's very good. Because she makes me realize <laughs> how miserable this material world is. <laughs> Socrates, for that matter, was a very wise man. A very wise man. And the belief, his understanding is that he had a very close contact with Vedic culture. His, he got all his wisdom from the Vedas, from the Vedic culture. <clears throat> like Socrates, as you all know, like he was made to drink poison. And <clears throat> hemlock. Hemlock is a poisonous herb. The juice of that plant <clears throat> is, <clears throat> is deadly poison. So he was made to drink that poison. So one of his disciples came and told him that why you had to die uh, without no something like that you did not commit any sin then why do you have to die then Socrates reply was do you think I should die committing sins <laughs> you know you are sinless you are dying you know why you had to be you had to 
die because although you are sinless. So his re- reaction was, do you expect that I should become sinful and die as a result of that? <laughs> so he was very you know, wise man in that way. From his statements we can see. So, <clears throat> so this is how uh, a wise person knows that this material nature is a place of suffering. One of the things that a wise person knows is that this material nature is a place of birth, death, old age and disease. So it's a place of suffering. So the question should be, what should be the goal of life? What should be the goal of life? The goal of life should be become, understand the reality of this material nature and become situated on the spiritual platform. And this is what is leading. Thank you. Thank you, Narendra Krishna. (coughs) I got some mucus in my throat. And this is actually leading this questions from Vidura is leading to Maitreya's description. Actually, Maitreya is giving Srimad Bhagavatam. Maitreya Rishi. What Maitreya Rishi spoke to Vidura is Srimad Bhagavatam. Sugriva Goswami is repeating, narrating that, but good part of Maitreya Rishi's thing is actually dealing with Srimad Bhagavatam, the aspects of Srimad Bhagavatam and then Shukdev Goswami taking it to the ultimate point to Krishna's pastimes describing Bhagavatam has uh, ten aspects Bhagavatam deals with creation sub-creation Sarga Visarga Sthanam planetary systems the situation of the planetary system Oshanam how the Lord is maintaining this material world. Utaya, the tendency to procreate, for tendency for creation. Manantar, the descriptions of the the domains or reigns of different Manus. Manantar, Ishanukatha, <coughs> the activities of the incarnations of the Lord. The Nirodha, cessation of material existence, Mukti, liberation, and Ashraya, Samambonam, the ultimate goal, ultimate shelter. So, <clears throat> so this is what uh, uh, comprises uh, Mahapurana. Mahapuran, Bhagavat is Mahapuran because it has all these ten aspects. Many other Puranas deal with only five aspects, six aspects, but Bhagavatam deals with all ten. So we when we go through Matra's description, we can see that he is describing about the creation, sub-creation, and so forth. Good part of Bhagavatam has been described by Maitreya Rishi. 
And this is how, this is what we can see. In order to understand this material nature, we have to understand how this material nature has been created. Isn't it? Then, sub-creation. How the universe is generated from the body of Mahavishnu. Then how Brahma came from the navel of Mahavishnu and, I'm sorry, Garbhodokshai Vishnu. And Brahma actually started this creation in the universe. In the material nature becomes manifest, the universes are created. Then uh, the creation in the universe, that is the sub-creation. What Brahma did, from Brahma started. And then sub-creation <coughs> will lead to the planetary systems. What is the structure of this universe? Every universe has 14 planetary systems. Seven higher, seven lower. Then how this universe, how this material world is maintained by the Supreme Personality of God. This is the real wisdom. This is the real wisdom. How the Lord created, how the Lord is maintaining. And then that will lead to our actual identity. Who are we? How we got created? Not only we get to know how the universe is created, how we got created, how we came to this material nature, what is our origin? We all came from the spiritual world. That is the real knowledge. And we are in this material nature uh, by the divine arrangement of the Supreme Personality of Godhead to achieve some mission, fulfill some objective. And that objective is mm, to give up the tendency to enjoy independently, but become but become subordinate to Krishna and depend upon Krishna's will. Mm. Now, what we are doing, what we are trying to do, we are trying to make this material body active, alive, and trying to enjoy through this material body. Materialistic way of life means trying to enjoy through the material body. But Krishna consciousness means, now the consciousness from the body should be shifted to Krishna. Who is the source of consciousness? See the difference? Here I am trying to, I am trying to make this body conscious. Is it an easy job? It's such a troublesome job. Can you imagine trying to make a lump of matter, lump of dead matter conscious? That's what we are doing. That's what our existence is. We are trying to make this lump of inert matter conscious. And not only conscious, try to enjoy through it. What a big endeavor. Therefore, the more we try, the more we suffer. Now, what is the solution to that, from that condition? What is the way to get uh, rid of that miserable endeavor? Become connected to Krishna. We are trying to make this conscious. Now, let us become conscious through Krishna's consciousness. Krishna is the source of consciousness. 
in this respect we can consider one <coughs> one example uh, the sun and the rays of the sun you see our relationship with krishna can be understand understood through this analogy sun and the rays of the sun how many rays are there from the sun innumerable what are the rays rays are actually the minute particles of the sun right the sun is the source and the rays are uh, the minute uh, light source of light uh, that is coming from the sun mm. now <clears throat> when a ray is connected to the sun it's already full of light and heat but if the ray becomes disconnected from the sun then what will happen huh when the ray becomes disconnected from the sun then it don't have any light now to understand this point also let's consider another analogy a spark and fire similar example huh like sun is like the fire big fire and a spark is like the ray minute fire when the spark comes out of the fire then what happens does it retain its fiery qualities it falls in a heap of ash and becomes ash because next to fire what is there next to fire is ash so <clears throat> our situation is like that that we are actually fire spark minute fire but fire spark is fire but when the spark comes out of the fire then what happens it extinguished gets extinguished it loses the fiery qualities right and falling on a heap of ash it becomes that now we were spiritual becoming disconnected from krishna what happened we fell into the external energy of krishna the material nature and in this material nature we have become matter although we are spiritual but we are we have become matter we have become this body made of matter we are identifying ourselves with this body we are thinking that this is me and what we are doing we are trying to gain those spiritual qualities through this material body our spiritual qualities are satchidananda eternal uh, knowledge and existence mm. now we are trying to make this body eternal we are trying to make this body conscious and we are trying to experience joy through this body will it ever be possible that is why one is never satisfied because it will never be possible we'll never make be able to make this body satchidananda but we are satchidananda now how can we become satchidananda if we if we limit our consciousness to this body 
Will you ever be able to become Satchidananda? No. The way to become Satchidananda, way for the in that inflammable particle to become fire again or to regain its fiery qualities, what is the easy way? Go back to the fire. When the spark goes back to the fire, it's fire again. So similarly, when we go back to Krishna, then we are spiritual again. Becoming separated from Krishna, we have become matter. We are identifying ourselves with this body. Which, and which is the source of suffering, which is the source of misery. So what we need to do is just become, go back to Krishna. How do you go back to Krishna? How can a speck of inflammable object that was sparked at one time can become fire again? By going back to the fire. So similarly we have to go back to fire. Now a spark cannot do it by itself, but we can. What is that that will enable us to go back to Krishna? Our will. We have our independence to decide what we want to do. So all we have to do is just desire to be connected to Krishna. And the process is there, practice the process, it will happen. <clears throat> and that is the purpose of the Vedic scriptures, to show us the way how to go back to our spiritual identity. How to become reinstated in our spiritual identity, how to go back to the spiritual world. Hare Krishna, does anybody have any question? How many viewers now? 73. Wow. <laughs> yes, Radha Vinod. Okay, very good question. So here is Ravinod Das. <laughs> His question is that yes, our goal of life is to go back to Godhead, then why Krishna is giving so many options to enjoy? <laughs> those enjoys are actually our test. Krishna is not giving those options. We Maya is giving those options. And Maya is giving these options because we wanted it. We wanted to enjoy without Krishna. So Maya said, come, enjoy without Krishna. And what will be the result? As we explained, the more we try to enjoy without Krishna, the more we suffer. That is Maya. More we try to enjoy, the more we become, more we suffer. As if this, this is a punishment, Maya's punishment. The more you try to enjoy, the more you suffer. It's not that Maya is giving us suffering, we are inviting the sufferings. In one hand Maya is saying, come, enjoy, become the Lord and Master, enjoy through your body. 
But the more we try to do that, Maya shows us, look how miserable it is, how difficult it is. Why don't you learn your lesson and just go back to Krishna? Why don't you understand a simple fact that in this world you'll never enjoy, you'll simply suffer and suffer and suffer. So surrender to Krishna, you have to act. You have this body, the body will act. But engage the body in the service of Krishna. You have a mind and the mind will desire. Desire for Krishna. You have intelligence, you'll decide how to do, get things done. Use your intelligence to serve Krishna. That is the way. Not uh, staying neti neti, not this, not this. I am not this body. No, not that. The real thing is that I am not this body, but this body has its purpose. This body should be engaged in service of Krishna. That is the purpose of this body. And when you do that, Maya says, good boy. Maya gives a pat in her back. Go on, go on. <laughs> so this is how uh, Mahamaya turns into Jogamaya. She says, now come, I will take you to Krishna. Okay? So basically, we are all the time in illusion that I'm enjoying. Yes, when you are in illusion, then you are thinking that you are enjoying. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Yes, Radhika. Um, is it suffering or is it association of devotees that brings us closer to Krishna? What's that? Is it the suffering that we have to go through or is it association? Okay, through suffering you turn away from material nature and look for devotees. And then with the, through the association of devotees you uh, learn, you make your way back to God. Yes. Um, so there's a question from Marian. She's saying, Hampo, Gurmaraj, and devotees, if the husband is abusive to his wife, is this also Krishna's arrangement? And should she therefore accept it? It will depend how you take it. Huh? <laughs> like, well, an example will be I don't know whether you're married, married or not, Marian, but just a point, just to make that point clear. You see, Haridas Thakur was beaten, being beaten. Haridas Thakur was accepting that this was Krishna's arrangement. Right? So it will depend how advanced one is. When one, if the wife is very advanced, then even if the husband is abusive, she will consider the well is Krishna's arrangement. That she, Krishna is making me realize how miserable, how difficult, how degraded this material world is. That is how. She has that she's not married. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Marion. Hare Krishna. Yes. Just um, in terms of um, sometimes our sadhana, we try to do and runs difficulties and you think well, I'm trying and difficulties are coming along. Is this part of our karma or is this part of our sadhana not being fully surrendered? Hmm. Uh, you see, yes, it is true. Like uh, the question is, uh, 
that the difficulties that come, is it a part in while executing our sadhana? Is it our karma or it is Krishna's arrangement? That's the question, right? Uh, <clears throat> uh, you see, ultimately it's a matter of how we look at it. And our attitude should be anukulena krishna nushilanam. We should accept everything in the favorable light of Krishna consciousness. Right? Now what is that favorable light? The favorable light is that when there is suffering, we consider that it is our karma. When there is enjoyment, we say it's Krishna's mercy. That is the attitude of a devotee. That's the out, that is the way a devotee sees. On the other hand, a materialistic person, how does he see? When it is enjoyment, he says, well, I earned it. <laughs> right? And when there is suffering, it's all Krishna's fault. <laughs> right? So this is how the, the attitude actually reverses in Krishna consciousness. So, you know, like both, like, as you said, like, is it our karma or is it Krishna? Huh? It is up to you to decide. Huh? Like, look at the enjoyment as the mercy of Krishna. Huh? And look at the suffering as your karma. Well, <clears throat> this is what I have created for myself. And but now that I surrendered to Krishna, Krishna has just nullified that karma through some small little reaction. So that is how a devotee looks at it. But you know, he always sees things in the light of Krishna consciousness. Okay. Yes, Radha Vinod. That's a very silly question, but I just wanted to find out. Vidura, all his life, was a very good advisor for the kingdom for the disaster. And he was insulted so many times by King, by Duryodhan. Why at this stage um, that he decided to just leave, where he knew that there is no, the battle was about to start, there is no way they're going to survive against uh, Pandava. At this, this stage, I think he just decided to just leave any particular teaching. Because when he saw that the situation is so hopeless, he tried so many times, so many years, but when the situation became so hopeless, These people are not going to listen to me. <clears throat> now that they are going to die, I don't want to be a party to it. So he left. Yeah. When we feel we are moving forward in KC, then we hear a song from our past we used to like, then we indulge it in the mind. Does that mean we are not moving forward? No, what's the first part of the question? When we are? When we are moving forward in Krishna consciousness. When you're moving forward in Krishna consciousness, then? Then we hear a song from our past we used to like, okay. then we indulge it in the mind. Does that mean we are not moving forward? Well, mind's business is to you know, shift from one point to another 
and it's like a like it's like a tug of war you know tug of war between krishna consciousness and maya <coughs> in tug of war what happens both the parties are pulling sometimes krishna's party krishna's side is pulling harder and then sometimes maya side is pulling harder so that and your mind is the poor rope <laughs> that is being constantly tugged between krishna and maya so sometimes maya will come but doesn't matter you know let krishna conscious side win that is the secret of success that means when the some memories of some fa- song comes okay like uh, but do, let that not drag you into the world of maya it may come but for the moment for the time being you may dwell for the time being you may recall you know for the time being you may remember so many things but then shift back to krishna consciousness it i think it happens to like for example i was giving the class and i remember socrates right <laughs> so that's a kind of a thing from the past you know when i was not krishna conscious but you know like we are trying to see it in the light of krishna consciousness so that's that's all right sometimes we uh, recall poems and sometimes i do also remember like when i <clears throat> uh, uh think of uh, bhakti vinod thakur's sharadgrahi vaishnav poetry uh while speaking about it sometimes i also speak about coleridge coleridge's rhyme of the rhyme of ancient mariner because of and i quote some lines also from there to show the simil- similarity between coleridge's structure of poetry of meter and rhyme yeah, with bhakti vinod thakur's writing of sharadgrahi vaishnav so that's all right like you can but the thing is see everything in the light of krishna consciousness okay so thank you all very much all glories to shila prabhupada gaur premanande hari hari bol.